Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. The scary thing about that we won in five and we lose that game, uh, we lose that game four. And they were coming. Like, I, I had the pleasure to play against Getzlaff, Perry, and Bobby Ryan. And I remember being on the ice and one of the only times in my career thinking, uh, I'm not good enough. Like, I, I, there's not much I can do out here. Like, these guys, they were playing at a level that I hadn't seen since, you know, maybe maybe Mario and, 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 uh, and Jaeger. So I was pretty relieved that that, that series, we won game six. Um, I think I scored the, the, the second goal in game six. And that was such a huge relief. Or game five, sorry. Game yeah, five. game five, yeah. Because uh, if we don't win that game six, it sounds silly because we were up uh, we were up 3 nothing, And then, uh, um, but yeah, they were coming. And there was no, um, obviously they won the next year, I, I believe, right? Yeah. Yep. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they were coming, and and, and so that that was kind of the, the the weird part about the the different series. We beat them in five, but to me, the, the biggest danger is, is if we don't get out of there alive, we're in, we're in huge trouble. All right, that is Ethan Morrow who joined us on yesterday's edition of Oilers Now. Uh, I know that uh, Ethan reached out later. By the way, Bob, I made a mistake. Uh, Bobby Ryan wasn't on that line. He wasn't in the league yet. But uh, that's fine. the point that Ethan was making is that he, he felt that the Edmonton Oilers might not have been able to get past Anaheim if they hadn't won game five in Anaheim. Uh, I bring that up because the general manager of the Ducks at that time, you may have heard of him. Uh, he joins us every Thursday on Oilers Now, and that is Brian Burke. And this is the second hour of Oilers Now. Brian Brought to you by Digitex. And the folks at Digitex want you to know, uh, they want to wish you and yours all the best during these challenging and uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Again, that was Ethan Morrow. We'll go to our River Cree Resort Casino hotline, where we're pleased to be joined on the line by Brian Burke for our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. Brian, how are you doing? Good, Bob. How are you? Good. You heard Ethan's comments. 
the Oilers had a lot of illness running through the team in that series, and it hit the team basically, I think, in game four. They, they started to feel some... And there was concern, as you heard Ethan there. I mean, they uh, they won game five in Anaheim. And, you know, he said, actually, he said earlier in the interview that uh, there was no guarantee they were going to win game six back at Edmonton, that they, they felt you guys were starting to turn the corner. And uh, just your thoughts on that as a general manager for the other team at that time? Well, they were, first off, I admire Ethan Morrow as a player. I really like the way he played the game. And, uh, it was nice to hear his voice on the radio just now. Um, I think he's being kind. We were down 3 nothing in that series. I really believe it was a lost opportunity for, the at that time, the Mighty Ducks. I, I thought game three was a pivotal game for me where we went down 2 nothing at home. Uh, Edmonton was sloppy in game four, or game three up in Edmonton. And we lost 5-4, I think, was the final. But they were sloppy, and and we were we were the better team that night. And Rollison was the difference. And to me, uh, game three is where we let it slip away. I remember being so mad after that game because uh, now you're down three nothing, and it's almost impossible to come back. So we win game four. Yeah, if we'd have won game five, maybe. But uh, you know, I, I used to tell our guys this: the even number of games in a series are where you have to make your money, which is you go down one nothing. now it's game two. You got to win that game or you're down 2 nothing. You're in you're in the game three, it's whatever, but if you win game four, you're back to even. And I thought game three there, if we'd have taken that and gotten back to 2-1, uh, I thought we were the better team the way we were playing right then. But they, they were legit. They, they beat us in four and five games. I mean, they were legit. And then they, I, you know, I really thought, I don't think we could have beaten Tampa Bay. I think they had a chance to, but I don't think we could have. Uh, well, they ended up playing, as you recall, Carolina that year in the Stanley Cup final. Oh, Carolina. And, Sorry, yeah, Carolina. Yeah. And uh, a couple things just on your team. I mean, and you know the personal connection. You know, I've, I've known uh, Joffrey's dad, Craig Lupul, since I was in grade five. So we're going back now 40 years. But I remember he was on a – you picked up Marchant halfway through the season, or maybe early, first quarter of the season from Columbus, and then you put him on a line with Penner and Lupul in the playoffs, and they helped to win a series for you guys against Colorado. Like, Joffrey had the four-goal game. Um, so that was one of you had McDonald and Solani playing together, and then you brought up uh, Getzlaff and Perry as well. And that didn't include guys like Rob Niedermeyer and Paulson that were huge for you the next year in that line of Travis Moan. So you guys were pretty good up front uh, at that stage by the time you integrated Perry and Getzlaff into your uh, lineup for the playoffs. Yeah, and, and it was memorable about that. And they, I was joking about it with Getzy the other day. Is our, my three, I was in Anaheim for three full seasons. I left in the fall of 08. And in those three seasons, our teams, uh, the Portland Pirates and the Anaheim Ducks, Mighty Ducks and then Ducks, played in 14 playoff series. So after we lost to Edmonton, we sent Getzlaff and Perry down to Portland to I play a game it. seven against Hershey. And they had just gone to war for us, and we were all tired. You know, you're so discouraged after you lose, even in the third round of the playoffs. You're so discouraged because you know what might have happened or could have been. And we told those guys, you're getting on a plane tomorrow. And um, and they went, and they worked hard. They did a good job. We lost in overtime, but that was the funniest thing about that one, if you ask Getzy. 
Yeah, well, I, I remember it, and we were just kind of shaking our heads like, wow. Uh, you know what else I remember about that year? And you, you, you like the, you know, we all know uh, you like some belligerence in your teams. Uh, your tough guy up front was Todd Fedork, who's from Redwater, Alberta. And Todd got planted on his ass a couple times and bounced back. And, you know, uh, Boogie did a number on him once, uh, and then also uh, Colt Moore. But he fought George a couple times. We had George on the other day from Montreal dealing with COVID. We had, uh, anyways, I mean, Fedoric was a guy, and I know he earned the respect from his teammates because he'd take the shots for his team. But, he, you know, he played a fairly long time in the, in the NHL, and he was one of your guys that you ran with in Anaheim back in the day. Yeah, he, we were playing Edmonton in that series, and um, I remember I saw he was talking to a couple, you know, like they're quite a bit older than he was, and I thought it might be his folks. So they went over and said, are these your parents? And he said, uh, no, these are my billets. And he was so proud to introduce me to his billets from when he played junior. Um, so his nickname was Fridge, and his wife was from Philadelphia. He played in the Flyers system originally. And I tried to re-sign him, and he wouldn't sign. He, he wanted to get back to the East Coast. His wife didn't like it in California. Go figure that one out. <laughs> but um, that's why we traded him. And the next day, we traded him to Philly. And the next, very next day, or even the same day, I made the trade with uh, for George Perils from Colorado. So we, his George's name is on the cup instead of Fridges. Yeah, it's so. Let's let's get this right. A guy from Western Canada wanted to play in, in the East in Philly. So you went and brought a guy out of Princeton, which. Uh, you know, isn't too far from Philly. Uh, he just missed playing for my buddy Guy Godowski, uh, who coached Kevin Westgarth there, guys at uh, Penn State right now. That was my center, Brian and Midgets. And uh, and then you, you go and get a guy who totally knew how to do that role as well, right? Like, Peros really had a terrific handle of knowing when to engage, when to try to change momentum. And at that point, it's a different game today, Brian, but at that point, it was still a big part of the game, wasn't it? Yeah, but both those guys, Fridge and, and George, could both play a little bit too. Like the the beauty we had of those the bottom six that we had in Anaheim was on nights when we didn't need them to be crude, they could contribute. You know, they'd score the odd goal. They could dump pucks in and make people work. And they were good players. They weren't skilled, highly skilled, but they could all play. So on the nights when we didn't have to do the chain gang act, we could we could these guys could still contribute. It was great. We're joined right now by Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers now. So uh, you get you get the cup with the Ducks the next year and Chris Pronger and all that, and you're you're probably thinking you might be able to win two or three there. Doesn't, but you ultimately end up going a slightly different direction, and that's the nature of the business sometimes. Yeah, what happened was right after we won, Tamu and Scott Niedermeyer both retired. And and I tried to talk them out of it. And then where we thought they might come back, what I should have done, and it's funny because I was just working on this part of the book the other night. What I should have done is, is we should have taken our lumps and waited to see if they were going to come back. But we had played at such a high standard. We had been there two years, conference final year one, Stanley Cup year two. We felt that we needed to maintain that standard. So we replaced those guys. And then when they came back, we had huge cap issues. So... I, I made a mistake there. I, I admit it in my book, but I think we could have repeated with that team if, if it hadn't worked against us the way it did. So at the start of the 07-08 season, you did not have Solani and Niedermeyer playing, right? They were right. not with, and then they rejoined the team during the season and continued to play. 
Yes. In the meantime, you'd signed a, a guy like Bertuzzi on. I think you signed him on a two-year deal. And, and he was one of the cap casualties as a result moving forward, wasn't he? Yeah, we brought in Todd Bertuzzi, brought in Matthew Schneider, uh, brought in a couple other guys. We Basically, we lost Dustin Penner to Edmonton on an offer sheet. So we, we lost a couple of key parts, but um, what we should have done is just try to, you know, keep treading water and wait and see if any of them were coming back. Uh, but, I mean, they, they told me in no uncertain terms, we're done. Like, Tamu had played 14 years. He finally got his cup. He, he said, I'm done. And I said, is there any chance you're coming back? His, his agent was the late Don Baisley. He was a wonderful man. Right. And he said, is there any chance this guy's coming back? Nope. I said, well, i got to replace him then. He said, go ahead and replace him. And I met with Scott and his wife, and I said, is there any chance, Scott, that you come back? He said, nope, thought about it a lot, I'm not coming back. So I said, don't sign your retirement papers, because if you do that and you file them, it's complicated. If you want to come back, you got to clear waivers, and you'll never get to us. So he did not sign his retired papers, but didn't play. And there, uh, there's a provision in the CBA that if you're under contract and don't play, you get fined by the day. And so we had to sort that out with the league, too, when he came wow. back, because he wasn't holding out. That provision was designed to punish the guy who was under contract but held out. So, so I had to so sort all that out. Anyway, it was, I should have waited on him, but back then they swore up and down. They weren't coming back, and we, you know, we were a pretty good team. We wanted to keep trying to win. And just so our listeners are aware, Solani did come back and played seven more seasons. And uh, Niedermeyer came back and played three more years. That is crazy. Yeah. I forgot I forgot that it happened to you. We're joined right now by Brian Burke. Well, it speaks to something, Brian. When you're a general manager, when you run an, or- an organization, you have a lot of control. There's a situation that was taken a little bit out of uh, your hands there because of the, the players wanting to retire. I'm going to parlay that into what GMs are going through right now. And... You don't know when the draft is going to be. You don't know whether or not we're going to be able to fire it up and start again to have a conclusion to the 1920 season. You've still got to sort of plan ahead. These are atypical times for the men that head these organizations up on the hockey operation sides, aren't they? Yeah, there's nothing standard about this. As I said on the radio before, you're walking on a Martian a Martian landscape here, not, not a lunar landscape because people have actually walked on the moon. But you're walking on a Martian landscape here. This is new for everybody. There's no one alive who was, who was other than an infant when this last pandemic happened. Right. So no one remembers what to do, how to deal with it whatsoever. So uh, it's much bigger problems, obviously, than hockey. But you're right. As a GM, this is a troubling time where you're used to being in control, being in command, making the calls. You've got a calendar. You've got a schedule. You've got a routine. All that's taken away from you, and it's not much fun. As you know, we have Elliot Friedman on the show every Friday. He's written in 31 Thoughts today his belief that if we are able to start up, we might be looking at only 24 te- Well, bypass the end of the regular season and get to the playoffs with 24 teams. If you were king maker for the day for the National Hockey League, would this be the route that you go? Eliminate the seven teams that are kind of out of it? Maybe move a team over from the Central into the Pacific in some kind of playoff playdown. Would that sort of concept make sense, or would you try to find a way to have all 31 teams come back? Okay, so I think if you if we all we're all hockey fans, everyone listening in Edmonton is a hockey fan, and they wouldn't bother listening to this show. I'm not interesting enough. If they don't love hockey, they're not listening. 
what's the ideal scenario, which is finish the regular season. That's the most equitable. That truly determines playoff standings and draft positions and so on. I don't think there's any way in hell we're playing those games. It's just not going to happen. I think you bring that many teams, 31 teams, 31 buildings, all that travel. I don't think it's happening. So now what's your next best thing? Which is what Elliot's uh, opining about, which would be let's do uh, an expanded playoff and include the bubble teams. And we'll put 24 teams in just this year only. We'll play a couple of play-in type games, maybe two out of three. We'll pick some sites. We'll work out of four sites. I think that's even too much. And I think the third way would be, okay, regular use winning percentage, just use the 16 playoff teams that we're in on the day of the pause. And I think even that's too ambitious with 16 teams. So what I think they're going to come to by process of elimination is eight teams. Really? My name is on the Stanley Cup. I could live with that. That's three rounds. And that's three rounds. You still have to win. And you could even do a best of five in the first round. This is my prediction of what it will come to, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope Elliot's right. But the logistics of testing, quarantining, feeding, sterilizing, all at the 20, for 24 teams, I think logistically it's going to prove too much. Well, the other thing is if you go with just eight teams, so you're going three rounds of the playoffs, you don't have to start till September in that scenario. And that buys you another month. You know, like the NBA slowly, and we look to the NBA, and there's always a correlate. Look, the NBA shut down Edmonton, or the NHL shut. We we played the last, we played one of the last games that night. Uh, you know, it was all shut down the next day after the NBA, NBA announced the pause. They've started to slowly open it up in the NBA with players returning. Um, that's interesting. I mean, if it's 16, put it this way, Brian, if it's 24 teams, you could probably start in August. Right and finish sometime yep. in October. If you're down to eight teams, you can start in September. So how much further has the science moved by that point to enable you to do that? But guess what? If you have eight teams, are you taking the top two teams in each division, or are you t- taking the top four teams overall in each conference based on winning percentage? I, I would leave that to the GMs and to the league. Yeah, But I, I will tell you this. I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's 16 teams. Um, I, I love the league's approach, which is we are going to play hell or high water if they let us. Um, but I'm worried about the early early reopenings in some of the states in the U.S., and I think we're going to get a setback here. You're well aware of the numbers that are here at Edmonton over the last uh, uh, one positive test over the last three days, 2,200 tests. Uh, Alberta and B.C.'s death rates both around 25 per million, which is too high, but that pales in comparison to Quebec, which is over 300 per million uh, due to COVID, which is higher than the United States, by the way, the one province is. Just to put things in perspective, Brian, Montreal's had 1,666 people die. Now, Montreal's got roughly two and a half times the population of Edmonton, two and a half to three times the population of Edmonton, but they've had 1,666 people die there. Edmonton's had 12. 12 Yeah, they've done a great job in Alberta, but Keep, give some perspective here. The U.S. is up just under 75,000 deaths. That's yep. how big Kamloops is. You imagine obliterating a population the size of Kamloops. That's how many people have died south of the border and no end in sight. Well, it's true. The numbers aren't going down and they've opened it up. And uh, the Canadian provinces, including one of the well, two of the ones that you worked in, B.C. and Alberta, and Ontario. Ontario's been very pragmatic and slow as well in terms of reopening, hasn't it? They've done a good job here. Yeah. The, the premier, whether I don't get into politics, 
Right. And and I think it's part of my job to make sure I don't. But they've done a, a good job here handling this disease. You know you'd win if you ran, right? <laughs> no, I'm way too rude. Oh, there'd be that's no. It's called being honest, Brian. Hey, great stuff. We appreciate your time. We'll hook up next week. Okay. Thanks, Bob. Stay safe, everyone. That is Brian Burke from NHL Hockey and Rogers for our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction service, electrical prefabrication solar. It's 125 in Edmonton. We'll step out. This is Oilers Now. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stopper on 630 Chat. What's interesting is if you take a look based on Brian Burke's hypothesis that maybe we'd be looking at eight teams, which would be four in the West, four in the East. Uh, when we went to La Paz, the Oilers were fourth in the Western Conference in points, uh, but we were only a point ahead of Dallas, and Dallas had two games in hand. However, theoretically, you might have to revert back to what everybody's record was at at the 68-game schedule, and the Oilers had only picked up one point uh, in their final two games before the pause. So points percentage, Edmonton would be fifth in the West. By points, they'd be fourth. And I'd have to take a look at what the respective teams were at the 68-game mark because I think that they, they would probably have to round everybody off to 68 if they were to do it that way. Interesting stuff, interesting concept from Brian Burke, who's fast become a popular guest in orders now, again, for Canadian Power Pack. Do you want to mention the best pizza in the city still making it great? It's Royal Pizza. Pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. For a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza, the Mediterranean chicken. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back, John Shannon, our NHL insider on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.